Corey Ten Boom. How many here read the book on Corey Ten Boom, My Hiding Place? World War II story of, of a family who helped hide Jews and saved a lot of people. But it was at the risk of their own skin. And eventually it caught up with them and they found them out. And Betsy and Corey, now Corey was the younger, Betsy was the older, were sentenced to concentration camp. They had been to a concentration camp already and it was very poor, poor conditions, but they got transferred to a place called Ravensbrook. And they never had seen a concentration camp as filthy and as overcrowded and as inhumane as at Ravenbrook. When they went into the dormitory in Ravenbrook, uh, they found out right away that it was infested with fleas. Infested with fleas. You people have animals. You know what it's like to have fleas in your home, fleas on you. I've laid carpet for 17 years. I'd go into a home that had no occupant. The worst case scenario was a home that they had been out of for about 10 days. People moved out. They had animals. They moved out of it because the eggs hatch of a flea in about 10 days period or something like that. And I would walk in. I wore, I wore white shoes, white socks, white pants, and white shirt. There was a reason for that. Because those white socks and shoes would begin to turn black with fleas. Now, our job was to go in there and tear the carpet out. And to tear it out, you have to put it up on your shoulder to carry it out. You have to put it in a little, and you just, there's no other way to do it. You have to put it, cut it to place, put it up on your shoulder. And these fleas would be jumping in my hair and running all over my, biting me. And you see why I don't have any animals. I'm bitter. Well, Betsy and Corey would have a daily morning devotions, morning Bible study. They were devout Christians. And it was no different just because they were at Ravensbrook. They wanted to have a morning devotion. And so Betsy led the devotion. And it was the scripture that day was 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. And Betsy said to Corey, as an older sister would, I want you to thank God for the fleas. And Betsy said, Corey said, I'm not going to thank God for the fleas. I refuse to do it. They're awful. She said, well, the Bible says in everything give thanks. In everything. Well, you know, Corey held out for a little while, but finally Betsy persuaded her to pray and thank God for the fleas. It didn't take long before they realized that at this Ravensbrook, though it was horrible conditions, they had freedom to hold Bible studies without any interruption by the guards. And they held prayer meetings openly in the dormitory and had no interruption by the guards. And after this went on for a few months, they finally found out the reason for their freedom to hold Bible study and to pray was the guards would not enter the dormitories because of the fleas. And Corey understood what it meant to be thankful for fleas. We don't know what God's doing. 
the oldest, oldest of us to the youngest of us in Christ, we just have to admit that he doesn't come to us in console with us on why he lets happen to us what he lets happen to us or allows to happen to us what happens to us, however you want to work. He doesn't come and ask me my permission whether I was going to hurt my back on Saturday afternoon. I mean, it was me, it was stupid. But the Holy Spirit could have told me, now don't do that. But he didn't. And I sat there after I did that thinking, Lord, thank you for my wounded back. Because I'm getting ready to preach this and I had been reviewing this all week long. And I think, thank you. I got to say thank you for the pain. I don't know why you let that happen, and I don't know if you want Chris to preach Sunday morning, all you have to do is tell me. He can preach Sunday morning, Sunday night, wasn't it? Rather than, <clears throat> you know, have a back problem. But whatever, and, and really, you know, it gives an opportunity for my wife to tell me, why did you do that? You knew better than to do that. You know, and she gets to vent herself a little bit. But we are to be thankful in all things. We quote that and we memorize that, First Thessalonians 5, flippantly, and everything give thanks. Because most of the time when we memorize that, we're not going through really deep trials. And so we can memorize it. And so we can say, hey, and everything give thanks, you know, because minor things are happening to us. But everything is everything. Tonight, I hope when we get done with this, we'll be thankful for the fleas. How many times have you gone into a restaurant and eaten with someone just to be embarrassed by them, embarrassed to death by them because they're nasty, grouchy? Oh, I, I got to turn this on. Is this already on, brother? Am I on? Okay. They're nasty, grouchy, complaining, critical, demanding attitude towards the waitresses. They treat their waitresses like some subspecies of human. I mean, it's just, God forbid, I don't care how bad their service is. I don't care how horrible the food may be. I always think of the lost soul that's with me at that moment. That that waitress is a lost soul. The cook and everything is a lost soul. Now, I'm not saying I haven't violated this. If I told you I hadn't violated this, I'd be telling you I was perfect. Now, I'm way a long way from that. But I want to and understand that there's bigger issues than me, that's going on. How many times have people you know that when you see them coming to you, you cringe because they're going to throw a wet blanket over you and uh, tell you how things that you're trying to do aren't going to work? We fought the mines out where I live. With a, a mine is a big company, international company. They got a whole mass of lawyers fly down from Philadelphia to take on this little neighborhood of, of hope. It's like, hope, we're like hobos, you know, neighborhood uh, that goes up against these mines. And we go to the commission, try to convince the commission, don't let this big mine come in and destroy Florida. And uh, so it's just was so hopeless. It looks so bleak. The first mine we took on was Schwab. Schwab's massive, big, got all the money, equipment, hired guns, we call them engineers, special experts, and we only got us a little 
few people live out there saying, this is not good for this area. This is not going to be, going to be good for the water. It's not going to be good. And we hired one expert. We got the money together to hire one expert. <laughs> one expert against, you know, 10 other experts they had. And it's amazing how experts don't agree with each other. One expert will tell the other expert a liar and stupid. And then the other expert will get up there and say, you're, you don't know what you're talking about. They, they contradict each other. And so an expert is somebody who agrees with you. I, I figured it out. So I had a neighbor that was part of the program. We had recruited about 30, 40 neighbors. And we, we hired a lawyer and uh, a local guy born and raised in this area, and he understood the issue. We hired him, and he said it'd be 20000 It was $50,000. The next time we defended it, he said it was going to be twenty or 30000 ended up being $70,000. You ever try to collect money from your neighbors? It's harder than pulling teeth, I'll tell you what. They're big on talk and small on walk. And so we had to bear a lot of that money when they wouldn't cough up because we had hired the lawyers in their name, of course, but we had to do it. And I had this one guy, every time he showed up, man, I just like cringed. I was like, oh, man, so I won't mention his name, but so-and-so is here. And he would come over to me and, you know, and to be honest with you, I had no self-confidence. I didn't think, I didn't, it didn't look like we were going to win. The lawyer we were fighting in Schwab said, I've never lost a case. He came to us and said, before you spend a lot of money, he said, I've never lost a case. He was in his 50s. Never lost a case. I thought, we're doomed. We're never going to win. He said, you're never going to win this. You're not going to beat us. We're going to beat you. You're going to spend all this money for nothing, and we're going to beat you and do it. We're going to do it anyway because we're going to do it. We're just the big bad in the neighborhood, you know. And uh, I said, well, all I can say is I'm praying to God that he stand up for us, and whatever God wants, he's going to do, and we'll accept it. And he thought that was strange. This guy would come over to me, and he'd, he'd, he'd drive over to my house just so he could throw a wet blanket on me. You ever know anybody like that? He'd tell me, you can't beat the government. It's crooked. All your, all your commissioners are on their payroll. They're never going to beat them. I said, brother, it's not that way. It's not that way. But boy, I'd go away when he'd leave, and I'd go, oh, Lord Jesus, can we do this? You want me to do this? Bottom line is, after 12 years, we beat six mines, all six of them, five to zero vote, all six of them. They couldn't believe it. They spent $15 million trying to get those mines passed and lost. They were the ones who lost the money. But when that wet blanket comes over, don't you be one of those guys. By the way, I went over to that guy after we won the first one. And I said, look, man, we won. He said, yeah, but you'll lose the second one. How many marriages have been spoiled by one mate Never being satisfied with the other mate. They're not satisfied with the way they dress, the way they eat, their habits, their cleaning habits, their driving habits. Oh, their driving habits. And their work habits. The Bible says a foolish woman pulls her house down with her own hands. You don't have to be worried about people out there. You've got to be about worried about people here. How many jobs have been lost or promotions missed by folks finding themselves constantly being hard to get along with? 
never satisfied with their money, never satisfied with their money. They made 100 bucks an hour, they should be making 150 an hour. They made 150 an hour, they should make 200 an hour. They make 30 grand a day, they should make 100 grand a day. They're never satisfied. They're never satisfied in their position. They're not satisfied with the work environment. They're not satisfied with their status in life. How many Christian witnesses have been marred by folks griping and bemoaning around unsaved people, non-essential, non-eternal things that cannot be changed and will never be changed by what we say? I think we've all been guilty of this one time or another. I looked up the word thank or being thankful 139 times in the Bible is mentioned. Bob Jones, Jr., Bob Jones uh, Sr. said a statement that, that was riveting and got into my mind when I went to school in 1970 to 1977 at Bob Jones University. He said, when gratitude dies on the altar of a man's heart, he's well nigh hopeless. Now, he was an old Alabama Southern boy. The word nigh, well nigh, is a Southern expression. When gratitude dies on the altar of a man's heart, He's well nigh hopeless. Have you met hopeless people? I have. They're hopelessly negative, hopelessly frustrated, hopelessly bitter, hopelessly given over to the, it isn't going to work, the world is all rigged up, this election's not about, this coming election, already starting to chack about it. Well, let me, let me say at least 10 things, and don't get worried, Ten things, how we can express gratitude or giving of thanks. Being thankful and gratitude are brother-sister. Having a spirit of gratitude and a spirit of thanksgiving is really brother-sister. Uh, if I'm, can I say it this way? It's a choice. I don't get up in the morning naturally thankful, naturally grateful. I'm not naturally grateful for my wife and... and and the other day she came up to me and she said, is she here? The other, the other day she came up to me and she said, Bill, I'm not aging well. I know what she meant. You look at yourself in the mirror and you say, how did this happen? I'm looking at an old man in the mirror. But I decided I'm going to be, be grateful for her at 70 years old. I'm not going to expect an 18-year-old when she's 70 years old. I'm not going to expect a 50-year-old when she's 70 years old. I'm going to be grateful that she's at least with me and she's 70 years old. It's a decision you make. Now, you need God. The things we decide in the flesh are nothing without God. But if you decide something in the, in the, in the flesh and in the spirit that God wants you to have, then he's going to empower you to have it. That's the beautiful thing about that. And I can tell you, God wants you to be thankful. He wants you to have a spirit of gratitude. First thing I noticed is I did a study on the whole Bible, and here's what I come up with, 10 quick things. We are to give thanks publicly. 2 Samuel 22:50 says, Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen. There's nothing wrong at the restaurant saying, Thank the Lord. There's nothing wrong around unsaved people saying, I thank the Lord for that. Secondly, we're to give thanks directly to God. Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. Uh, Psalm 50, verse 14. 
We're to thank God in the morning and in the evening, 1 Chronicles 23, 30, and, and to stand at every morning to thank and praise the Lord, and likewise at Eve. That's what they did back at the temple. Fourthly, we are to give thanks through our music. Ezra chapter 3, verse 11, they sang together by course in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord because he's good for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. Number five, we are to have an on-purpose public thanksgiving as a group. There's nothing wrong with just having sometimes Thanksgiving testimonies. What are you thankful for tonight? What are you thankful for this week? What do you think about what you're thankful for? Especially some of you younger people struggle in this, I know, as you come around, you know, 18, 19, 20, and you're looking at the big old rough world and you say, What am I going to, you know, you can be thankful. What, what, can, what can I be thankful for? Hunt for it. Ask God to give it to you. Um, we should have public moments of thanksgiving. Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 31, they appointed two great companies of them that gave thanks. Uh, number six, we're to begin our fellowship with him, that is with God, in our prayer. You should begin with thanksgiving. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, Psalm 95, 2. Number seven, lack of thankfulness is listed as one of the major areas of final apostasy and backsliding. Don't you see it on our right hand and on our left? No matter what the people have, it doesn't seem they're happy with it. Romans chapter 1, verse 21, because, they, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Now it talks about some really bad sin in Romans chapter 1. You know, homosexuality and all kinds of wickedness. But one of them, is thanklessness. You say, it's not bad. Oh, yeah. It's bigger than you think because it, it goes back to the source of everything. If you believe God is who he said he is and you believe he's good and you believe whatever he does ultimately must be good for me, even though it doesn't feel good, it doesn't taste good, it doesn't smell good, it doesn't, it look, I don't see how and it could be possible. Brother Harold Seidler, pastor of Tabernacle Baptist Church, lost one of his kids. Lost, I think, a little girl when she was eight years old, ran out in front of a car and got killed. And once in a while in a sermon, he'd get caught up and he'd say, Betsy, I don't know what her name was. I'm just going to use the word Betsy. Betsy, look forward to seeing you. The pain was his whole life long. But he's thankful for God that he had Betsy eight years. Number eight, we're to give thanks to each other. Cease not to give thanks for you. I need to give thanks for Nick. I need to give thanks for Nono. I need to give thanks for Yazi. I need to give thanks for Nicole. You didn't think I knew all your names, did you? That's a miracle. And by the way, when you refer to Nick, you must refer to him now as Doc Master Nick. I'm going to put that on there. He's a captain, a Doc Master, and a chef. And if you get one more title, I won't be able to remember them all. And a husband, fabulous husband. That's for, I forgot that one. Not sure she said that, but I thought I'd add that in. Number nine, we're bound, we're to abound in thanksgiving. Colossians chapter two, verse seven says, abounding therewith, abounding in thanksgiving. Just I'm giving you the short of it. Number 10, because I've got some more. We're to give thanks in everything. And of course, as I mentioned, first Thessalonians, instead of 5 6, it is 518, by the way. I'm going to correct that dress. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Most of you know Matthew Henry. Now, Brother Tom Cronin has big goals. 
He told me one day I'm going to read the Matthew Henry's commentary. Remember you said that? I knew Matthew Henry's commentary, and I did not throw a wet blanket on you. I said, that'll be great. Do Go do it. Sick him. It wasn't long before Tom came back and said, man, he's wordy. <laughs> that old boy can take 10 pages what I can say in a paragraph. I mean, I'm not saying I'm better than him. I'm just saying that that man went through every jot and tittle of a subject, and he put that thing out in 30 pages. I mean, he is wordy. I, can't, I have a really hard time with people like Matthew Henry, but he's a noted and well-respected commentator. He got robbed one time. He got robbed at, at gunpoint. And he, and he said, I got four things I can be thankful for from being robbed. Here they are. Number one, I was never robbed before. That's good. I told you you can get creative here. Number two, although they took my wallet, they did not take my life. I was robbed also. He took my wallet, he took my camera, but he did not take my life. Number three, because although they took my all, at least as much as he had, it wasn't much. He didn't have much in his wallet. For you people that carry three, dollars $4,000 around, that's probably not going to be so, but for, for many among you people, anybody under 30, they carry 10 bucks probably in their wallet. No offense, man. The fourth thing he said I'd be thankful for her, because it was I who was robbed and not I who was robbing. Because it just could have been you robbing somebody. Those four things. That's pretty creative. There was a missionary named uh, Alan Gardiner. He was a, he was a missionary to a, a very isolated place at, at the very southern part of South America. There's some islands. And he was on some of those islands. And it was a, you talk about a grievous place to be a missionary. I mean, he said, while God gives me strength, failure will not daunt me. But in 1851, at the age of 57, he died of disease, starvation while serving on this island in southern South America. When his body was found, his diary lay nearby. It bore the record of hunger, thirst, wounds, and loneliness. The last entry in this little book that he had showed the struggle of his shaking hand as he tried to write legibly. What do you think he wrote? I am overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God. That's when you're getting close to heaven. Glory to God, hallelujah. I'm overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God. God, please forgive me when I've complained. You say, how shall I thank God, Brother Bill, and for what? I'm glad you asked. Number one, thank God for what he has done in the past. That's where you can start. Psalm 126.3, the Lord has done great things for us wherever we're glad. What great things has he done for you? No matter what is happening or will happen, 
I can tell you your name's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life if you're a born-again believer. That's a great thing that he has done for you. Woo! All gates, that's a great thing. Don't rejoice that the demons, he tells his, tells his disciples, his apostles, don't rejoice that demons are subject unto you. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Glory to God, make some sound. I feel like a black church. Make some sound. Say amen. Glory. My name is written down in heaven. I can get happy about that. My name is written down in heaven. No matter what tragedy may come and befall me, nothing can take my name out of the book that God put it in. How did I get my name in the book? By repenting and putting faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Christ, the Son of the living God, who came, who was crucified, who died, who was rose again the third day from the grave, and now seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus Christ, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent not his Son to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. I got to be saved. You understand what that means? You got to be saved. Out of the seven billion people of this world, the vast majority not ever coming to Christ you got to come to Christ. Well, that's one thing good he done. You be thankful for that. The second thing in the past, Jesus paid for all my sin. First John 2 2 says, He is a propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. If the world believed, there's enough blood on the cross to take it all. My sins are blotted out, I know. My sins are blotted out, I know. That's all I know of that song, but that's, I just like it. My sins are blotted out. Think about that a little. Let that sink into your head a little bit. Your sins have been blotted out. He's been your propitiation, your covering. The third thing you can be happy in the past about, he destroyed the works of the devil. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin, and it destroyed the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 8, he hath committed sin. He that, hath, he that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested. What was that purpose? That he might destroy the works of the devil. Hebrews says it again. He destroyed the works of the devil. Oh, the devil, he's cocky. Oh, he thinks he's a, but he's, he's a defeated enemy. I may bend over like that and not be able to get back up, but he's a defeated enemy. He's a defeated enemy, folks. I serve a risen Savior is in the world today. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So you can thank God. How, how do we thank God? Well, think of your past and what God's done and th be thankful. Have your mind settle in on what God has, has done already for you. And there are many. That's just three. But settle in. I know the second thing is, Settle on what God is doing now for you. An illustration I have here says that one was given a dish, of, a dish of sand. And in that sand were particles of iron. And you were told to find the particles of iron within the sand. And all you had was your hand. You'd take your finger and you'd try to take it through the sand and try to find those particles of iron and, and you would not have much success, would you? But, if you were able to use a magnet, 
you could go through that sand and it'd pull, it'd pull them particles of iron, become manifest, wouldn't it? An unthankful heart like my finger in the sand discovers no mercies, discovers no mercies. But let that thankful heart sweep through the day as a magnet finds the iron so it shall find some heavenly blessing. I like that. If, you'll, if you will have a spirit of thankfulness, you'll find mercies all through your day. If you have a spirit of, of disbelief and complaining, you won't find any mercies in your day at all. The third thing to help you be thankful is you can be thankful. You can thank God for what he will do. So you thank God for what he has done. You thank God for what he is doing. And then you thank God for what he will do. Any of you under any of you know about Helen Keller? Raise your hand if you know about Helen Keller. That's pretty good. Well, she died in 1968. She didn't die all that long ago. 1968. Now she was born deaf and blind. Now, if you're born deaf, then you can see and you can read. If you're born blind but you can hear. But when you're deaf and blind, they consider those children unteachable, unreachable, because you couldn't get to them. You couldn't get going through the ear. You couldn't get through them through the eye. But Helen Keller was both deaf and blind. She spoke glowingly of being thankful. Here's what she said, and I quote, for three things I thank God every day of my life. Thanks that he has vouchsafed me the knowledge of his works. She gets to know about God. Secondly, that he has set in my darkness a lamp of faith. She had faith. And my deep, deepest thanks, her third thing, was I have another life to look forward to, a life joyous with light and flowers and a heavenly song. Somehow I just feel heaven's going to be a little brighter and a little better for Helen Keller than maybe it would be for me. You cannot change most of your circumstances. It's amazing to me how little power we really have to change our circumstances. If you could change your circumstances, you don't have enough wisdom to look far enough down the road to know how to change your circumstances. You with me on that? What may look really good right now may down the road be your demise. What may look real bad right now down the road would be a blessing to you. Only God can know that. And that's why he's got to be the one to choose your circumstances. You can't choose your circumstances. And being grouchy dishonors your maker and speaks distrust of his ability to care for you. When we complain, what really is that? We're saying God's not good. God doesn't know what he's doing. I know more than God. Because I would have done it differently 
I would have had things work out differently. I'm basically saying I know more than God knows. I know more of the future, what's going to happen, and all this other stuff. And, you know, how can you say that? How can you? And if you want to cure for the grouches and the dissatisfaction, go around being thankful and grateful. Your husbands, be grateful for the wife God's given you. I mean it. Go home get right with her. Wives, be grateful for the husband. The brood he is. <laughs> I've had women in marriage constantly come in and say, I can't stand the way my wife chooses food. All I can say is when they choose his food, go somewhere else. Do something else. Play the radio. I can't stand my husband because he wears his socks to bed. These are the things that destroy marriages. You laugh. I ain't laughing. It, what it is, it's the, it's the ungrateful spirit that destroys a marriage. The little thing that they mention is what they focus on. They focus on the flaw. They focus on the fall. And they overlook all that possibility of goodness that other person can have. Amen. And I laugh because I'm just thinking of some of the stuff in my own life. My wife and I, we're having a we're having a we're having an interesting ending of our of our life. I mean it's an interesting ending, you know. I can't hear well, so she yells at me. And then when she yells at me, it sounds like she's mad at me. So I'll say, well, why are you mad at me? She says, I'm not mad at you. I'm just yelling at you because you can't hear. And you're too stubborn to get hearing aids, which is not so. And so I just get the giggles. That just is funny to me. It's funny. If you take a recording of us, you say their marriage may be in trouble. I don't think it is. Now, she may leave next week, but I don't think it is. I'm happy with her. I find that men are the last ones that know their marriage is in trouble, by the way. I just got to tell you, through, through a little bit of experience, men, we're like, we're like dogs. You give us food, we're happy, you know. And, and, and women are way more complicated and deep and four levels and, you know, the four level deal. And which level are they in? They'll say, I love you and I hate you and mean both of them. I got to stop. I hope you leave tonight. Thank God for the fleas. The fleas in your life. That God may be putting there for a divine reason that I have no idea why. I couldn't tell you why. I don't know why. But I know that our God is a good God. And he's going to end. He's gonna, you're going to end well if you trust him. Father, help us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida.
Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.